0: Podcast One. Hello, welcome back to Koshi's Easy Steps to Financial Success. I'm David Kosh. I am on a mission to help you fulfil your financial dreams. Last time we met, I spoke to you about how to grow your income, whether it's by asking for a pay rise from the boss or starting that side hustle you've always thought about. In this episode, I'm going to focus on protecting what you've got at the best possible cost, protecting your biggest assets, which includes you. In other words, insurance and estate planning. Let's face it, we'd all sleep better if we could insure absolutely everything from the house to your pet to your daughter's wedding, but the premiums would send you broke. So you need to prioritise and save where you can. Obviously, home and car insurance are must-haves, but you may be able to save on things like private health insurance and definitely (laughs) think twice about covering your pet cap maybe. Now, there are lots of ways you can save to make your insurance premiums more affordable and get the most from your coverage. And like most things, you'll get a better deal if you buy in bulk. Insurance companies usually offer discounts if you take out several policies with them and get things like your house, contents, maybe car insurance, all from the one company. But like I always say, shop around for the best deal. Look for inexpensive cover from a financially strong insurer. It's really easy now to compare prices online. You can also save a bit on your premium if you purchase policies over the internet. And you should be able to get a cheaper premium if you agree to a higher excess on your home and contents insurance, your car insurance, even your medical insurance. Excess is where you pay for a bit of the claim and the insurance company pays the rest. It's all about balancing risk. For example, on comprehensive car insurance, you can save a few hundred dollars on your annual premium If you double your excess, for example, that means you pay more from your own pocket if your car is damaged, but you pay less insurance during the year. So let's go through the different types of insurance that are important to have and how to save on premiums. First up, home and contents. It is ludicrous to pay $300,000 for a house and then not insure it. You're just taking big bigger risks. Just think of all those tragic bushfires that happen every summer. On average, a quarter of the homes lost are not insured, and that's leaving families with nothing. Don't put yourself in that position, and don't underestimate the cost to rebuild your home or replace your possessions. Look, a good exercise to do now is go around your home and put a value on everything in it. I mean your furniture, appliances, all the clothes in your wardrobe, the floor coverings, the whole lot. Then check that value against how much you're insured for. I bet you'll be horrified. And that insurance cover is not anywhere near the value of your stuff. I can almost guarantee it. So be realistic, even if it means your insurance costs a little bit more. And you can reduce your premiums by doing things like installing deadlocks or burglar alarms or smoke detectors. Apart from your house, the second biggest asset of most people is their car. When it comes to cars, weigh up the benefits of comprehensive insurance to basic third party. Comprehensive insurance covers the cost of any damage to your car and the other person's in a bingle. Third-party insurance only covers the damage cost of the other car. So, if your car's only worth, what, $2,000, it's probably not worth paying for comprehensive insurance as you'll fork out the value of the car in premiums over just a couple of years. But if you have a more expensive car, It's too risky not to have comprehensive insurance. And some companies offer discounts on car insurance if you restrict your cover to two nominated drivers or if you ban kids under 25 years of age from driving your car or even if you park it in a secure garage. Now let's turn our attention to another big asset and that's you and insuring your life if you're relatively young, have dependent children and not much super, you do need to have a bigger life insurance policy than if you were, say, retired empty nesters who own their home outright and have significant superannuation savings because you need to think about the financial security of those you would leave behind. Now, the easiest and cheapest way to buy life insurance is usually through your superannuation fund. Premiums are generally tax deductible and you get the policy at a cheaper rate because you're essentially buying the cover in bulk with a group of other superannuation fund members. Last episode, we talked about how to boost your income. Now, I want to show you how to protect it. The primary breadwinner in any family should invest in a disability or income protection policy. Don't just think about your lost income, but also your negative income. That is the ongoing expenses you'll face if you're out of action because of injury or a disability. Income protection insurance is also tax deductible. Now, if you're struggling to fit it into your existing budget, you can choose a longer qualifying period or shorten the benefit period to as little as a couple of years you see if you agree to fend for yourself financially for the first couple of weeks of an illness and the insurance company picks it up later they'll cut the insurance premium and protecting your health through medical insurance is also a must there are federal government incentives and penalties to encourage people to get at least basic private hospital insurance to take the pressure off the public system. The big incentive is the 30% tax rebate on annual health insurance premiums. The big penalty for high-income earners who don't get private insurance is the Medicare levy surcharge, which ranges from 1% to 1.5% extra depending on your income if it's over $90,000 a year. But you can save on your private health insurance premiums by choosing a cheaper private health policy that excludes certain expensive procedures that you're unlikely to need, like hip replacements or obstetrics, and only buy the extras cover you think you'll use. The big question is, are all these insurance premiums really worth it? I always say... You are your most important asset. Forget shares and property. If you're not earning enough to save or not around to make decisions, then you put the financial future of yourself and your family in jeopardy. Now, I understand protection is great, but I also understand insurance costs money. So I'm going to dive a little deeper into the insurances that you should be prioritising. As I said earlier, a disability policy should be the first priority, because the lack of income and the ongoing expenses, should you temporarily be struck down, can be devastating. If you're self-employed, also consider business expense insurance to cover this. Now, if price is a problem, look into, firstly, policies with step premiums, which increase according to age. These are less expensive than policies with flat premiums over a number of years. Look at a longer qualifying period. This is equivalent to an excess on your car policy. Instead of choosing a policy that doesn't pay for the first 30 days of your injury, go for one with a 45 or 60 day non-payment period, because the premium will be lower. Or you could shorten the benefit period, Choose a policy that will pay benefits for five years or maybe even two years instead of one that will pay you until you reach 65. You see, research shows most disabilities last two years or less. Or you could go for a lower benefit. Wherever possible, always cover for the maximum allowed, generally 75% of earnings. But if you decide you're happy with just 60% of earnings, then the premiums will be lower. Next, buy critical cover. From the family finance point of view, a death, while traumatic, will leave the family savings intact. After the grieving process, the family can slowly recover and if needed, the surviving spouse can go back to work. But if you were to suffer a stroke and linger for three years before dying, the family finances would be devastated by medical bills and leave the family physically and financially stressed. So critical cover pays a lump sum benefit up front when a critical condition is diagnosed to cover all of that financial drain. And of course, life insurance is a must. Yearly premiums for permanent life cover are fixed at the age you take out the policy. Yearly premiums for temporary or term life insurance rise as you grow older. So for the same amount of premium, you can buy a larger term life cover than a permanent life cover. But term life cover can get very expensive as you get older. And term life is not usually available past 75 years of age. So consider a bit of a mix of of permanent and temporary life insurance to cover all your personal and business needs. And look beyond price when you're buying term life cover. They all pay if you die. But early payment can be an advantage as your priorities may change when death stares you in the face. It will allow access to specialist medical care and more time to spend with loved ones. Now, back to health insurance. If you're one of the 13 million Aussies with private health insurance, you know how expensive it can be. But there are things you can do to reduce that cost based around your stage of life. If you're young, single and ready to mingle and not planning a family, you can enjoy significant savings by opting for just basic hospital and extras cover. Basic Hospital provides a wide range of treatment options in the event of an emergency, but you won't be forking out for a whole raft of treatments you're unlikely to need. And while the level of extras you need depends on your own individual situation, some combination of basic dental, optical and physio will generally cater for most young people. You might even find you don't need any extras cover at all. And if you're under 31 years of age, given our first-rate hospital system, you know, I reckon there is a valid argument for not having private cover at all. Growing up and starting a family is a very different matter. As you become older and wiser, health insurance becomes more important. This is especially true for couples planning on starting a family who want the added comfort and peace of mind of choosing their own hospital and their own healthcare professionals. You may also want to better protect yourself against the unexpected or save on out-of-pocket expenses through improved extras cover, things like obstetrics and IVF being obvious inclusions. Plus, there are financial implications for not taking out cover as you get older. The government's Lifetime Health Cover Initiative means... The people who don't take out private hospital cover by the 1st of July after their 31st birthday have to pay an extra 2% on their premiums for every year they're aged over 30. And remember, people earning more than $90,000 who don't have private health insurance will be whacked with what's known as the Medicare levy surcharge at tax time, which ranges from 1% to 1.5% depending on your income. It's like an extra tax slug of 1% to 1.5%. It's worth thinking about. For families with a few kids, health costs can be a nightmare. From dentist trips to late-night dashes to the doctor, kids are a constant source of expensive medical bills, and don't I know it. Raising four kids, we had the usual array of broken bones, viruses, respiratory issues. Inevitably, we'd have one kid in hospital every year. Private health insurance saved us significant amounts of -of out-of-pocket expenses and also gave us access to a wider range of treatment options if things did go wrong. Getting consolidated family cover means that everything is in the one place and everyone is properly protected. You just don't want to skimp on health care when it comes to your kids. Some couples' policies include extras for the kids until they're 18, so see which ones offer the best value for your family. For empty nesters and retirees, private health insurance is essential. Let me tell you, I know, age does wear out the body And you certainly don't bounce back like you did as a youngster. Add in declining potential income and senior Australians can't afford a major medical event to drain their retirement savings. So that means robust private health insurance cover. And usually that's towards the top level of cover. A couple of things to remember when it comes to private health insurance cover We have a great public health system in Australia with Medicare, but private health insurance provides an increased choice of care, improved peace of mind and can provide significant savings on services that Medicare just doesn't cover. Still, as we've seen with the last round of premium rises, it's also a significant expense. So, no matter your age, it's important to consider whether the cover you're paying for is appropriate for your situation for right now. Not more, not less, right now. So now's the perfect time to reassess your policy and check the market for better deals. But always remember to watch out for waiting periods when you upgrade your policy or switch funds and be smart about how you use your cover for the best possible savings by using affiliated care providers. All right, that's all your insurance protection covered. Now, let's plan your legacy. I know no one likes to think about death, but like taxes, it's inevitable. It will happen. (laughs) You simply can't avoid it. So you do have to think about it and also the consequences on your loved ones. Look, you work hard your whole life to accumulate assets, so at least make sure they go to the right people. Have a think about who should get your money and assets when you're gone and make sure they will actually get it. This is especially important if people depend on you financially. First step, do a will. You see, a will sets out exactly what will be done with your assets when you die. It must be detailed. It's got to be specific and address every eventuality. There's no excuse for not having an up-to-date will. If your will is very simple, then write one yourself with the help of a will kit. These can be bought from the post office, from news agents and online. No will means no choice. It's that simple. If you die without a will, then the government decides who gets what using their own formula and it will take longer for your beneficiaries to receive their share. Your estate will also run the risk of being hit with a bigger tax bill than a properly planned estate. So make sure your assets go to your loved ones rather than the tax office. Second step, get good advice. If your affairs are a bit more complex, get advice from an accountant or financial planner and use a lawyer. Discuss your options and the tax implications of each alternative for the beneficiaries. One way to make sure loved ones get their fair share is to provide for them outside of the will. Investment vehicles like self-managed superannuation funds and family trusts allow assets to be specifically handled in line with your wishes as well. These alternatives are expensive to set up, but if you're wealthy and you've got substantial assets, they're worth considering. And don't forget to update the will regularly. A will is a living document update your will after any major changes in your personal life. That includes births, marriage, divorce, or entering a de facto relationship. Also remember to make changes after any financial windfalls or losses. If you're cruising along and there are no changes, it's still a good idea to review your will at least every five years. Did you know... Divorce doesn't automatically change a will. You have to specifically amend it if you want to cut out your ex. And talk about your plans with your family. Make sure relatives know exactly where your will is kept. Give a copy to your solicitor, file one at home, and maybe give one to each of your adult children. And I know it's not pleasant talking about death, but it's important to make your wishes known to your family so there are no surprises. Tell loved ones how you'll divide your estate and why. For example, you don't want your kids to assume they'll be getting a fortune when you actually plan to give it all to charity. That will tick them off. Get family members to raise any issues now to save a legal battle after you're gone. Drawn out family disputes can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees, and often you're the one paying, as the fees of the person contesting the will are usually paid out of the estate. What a waste of money that is. And don't give me the old, oh, why should I care, I won't be here argument, because you should care. I see it all the time. Often it can be simple wording or a well-intentioned plan by the parents which can be misconstrued and animosity sets in. I had one friend who left their entire estate to the eldest son with the clause in the will that said, and then you will look after your sisters. Well-intentioned, but complicated, messy, and hurtful to the daughters, actually, because they felt it inferred They weren't bright enough to look after themselves. Let me tell you, it took some pretty hefty legal bills to sort all that out. So here are my golden tips to stopping heirs arguing over your estate. First up, start the conversation early. This will help to manage expectations and identify any potential areas of conflict that need to be addressed before you pass away. Remember, Adult children have their own different financial situations, tax issues and preferences. What's important for one child may not be for another, and a natural compromise can easily be reached. It can also get really messy if a family business is involved, and even messier if one of the kids works in it. Nobody wants to believe their passing will cause conflict, but... The unfortunate reality is it often does. So communicate your intentions early to reduce the chance of conflict. After all, there's a good chance you're the most experienced mediator in the family. And choose the executor carefully. The executor is the one who directly deals with your beneficiaries. So choose them carefully. And it can be more than one. Many people have a solicitor as executor, as well as a family, friend or relative, and they work as a team. The lawyer does all the legal grunt, while the friend handles all the human emotional issues between beneficiaries. I reckon that's a great idea. Remember to play by the rules. The most valuable tool for a quick and effective transition of an estate is clear and legally binding paperwork. An up-to-date will, a trusted power of attorney, and superannuation and insurance death nominations will provide firm direction for settling your estate. Give your adult children a copy of the will to keep as a reference. And get your files in order. Gather all your banking, your superannuation, insurance, and investment details together, along with the contact details of anyone you use to manage your personal affairs. These should be clearly marked and stored in a secure place that your partner, executor and power of attorney can access when you go. If your partner isn't actively involved in the financial side of your relationship, now is an important time to get them across your estate. Introduce them to any professionals you use, And provide access to important documents. Trying to do this without your help is a headache they really don't need at an emotional time when they're coping with your death. And make sure you provide clear instructions. Wills tend to be quite general in language, so try to be specific in your directions and even provide some background or explanation if you think it will help people come to terms with your decisions. The key is to avoid confusion or conflict about what you would have wanted by clearly communicating your instructions. A simple letter to the executor explaining your wishes in detail can be a huge help and allow you to say everything you might not have been able to articulate in your will. And finally, avoid playing favourites try to make your estate as fair as possible to everyone involved. If you really want to provide more to one particular person, consider doing this while you're alive to avoid disputes over the will when you're gone. One of the most important legacies of your estate should be to maintain a cohesive and loving family. So make a special effort to find a place for everyone in your estate. This doesn't necessarily mean money or assets. Instead, think about the sentimental items that provide treasured inheritances to the people who they mean the most to. That brings us to the end of this episode on wills and insurance. There's no one-size-fits-all policy when it comes to this. It really depends on where you're at in life. But remember, you need to prioritise the insurances you need so that you can protect your financial future and your families while keeping your premiums down. And make sure that all your hard work in life has not been wasted by spending the time to get your affairs in order and taking the appropriate formal and informal steps when executing your will. And if you want to learn more, head to the Your Money and Your Life website, where there are plenty of articles and some more hints from Libby and I on insurance and wills. That's ymyl.com.au. Good luck, and when you're ready to take the next step in getting your financial life under control, I'll be here waiting. Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success was presented by David Kosh and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Melody Ruiz. Executive Producer, Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Koshi's Easy Steps to Financial Success podcast.